Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's Parasha is Lech Lecha. It is the continuation of the story, really the beginning of the part of the story of Abraham. And first meet Abraham when he is uh, 75 years old, that's the part of the, his life that the Torah is recounting right now, uh, where the Torah tells us that Hashem tells him to travel. Uh, and Abraham obeys Hashem's command. The command is leave and go to the land that I will show you. It gives us the name of the parasha, Lech Lecha. Hashem promises that he will bless Avram, and so Avram obeys Hashem's command and takes his wife and Lot, as well as, as the Torah calls them, the souls that they had made in Haran, and uh, that means two things. It means those servants that they had purchased, but it also means those people that they had taught about Hashem, and as it were, remade their souls during the time that they were in uh, Saran, because Avram and Sarah uh, were involved in what we nowadays call Kirov, which Avram focused on the men and Sarai on the women. Their names at this point are still Avram and Sarai. The names don't change until later. So Avram travels and he makes it to uh, Kenaan, later to be called Israel, and uh, he crosses over into the land, and his first place that he stops is Shechem. At this place, Hashem promises to give the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants, and Abraham builds an altar. Then he travels to a place between Bethel and Ai, and he builds another altar, and then he continues to travel southward, getting a sense of the land. Uh, although Rashi uh, says that his major focus is to go towards what would later be called Yerushalayim, is drawn towards that. However, Avram's story is interrupted by a famine. We're told that a famine strikes the land, and it is so severe that Avram has to leave. Uh, but it seems that uh, Avram accepts this too, uh, and takes his entire family down to Egypt. As they get close to Egypt, Avram says to Sarai, uh, we have a problem that because they are going to uh, kill me in order to take you. So, emergency situation. Let's say that we are brother and sister. In this way, they will not kill me. And in fact, the Egyptians do take Sarai and bring her to Paro. Uh, and Avram is enriched by this. Um, talk more about this later on. And uh, Paro and his household are stricken with plagues. I suppose at this point, Paro realizes that uh, this is no ordinary woman, and he realizes that she is a married woman, and he gives Sarai back to Avram and says uh, unequivocally, you must leave. And so Avram returns to Canaan. He is, at this point, very wealthy. He follows the same route that he had taken on his way down to Egypt, and he once again comes back, comes to the place between Bethel and Ai. 
there is uh, strife between Avram and Lot. Lot also was very wealthy, and there is uh, strife between, first expressed between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot. Um, but it's very clear that Avram and Lot themselves have some uh, issues that they have to work out. So Avram says to Lot, instead of us being so close to each other, Lot, uh, choose the part of the land that you wish. Don't worry, I will be not far away. Lot chooses the, uh, the rich uh, plain of Yardin, uh, which includes the cities of Sodom, etc. Avram stays in Canaan. The Torah t- tells us, even at this point, the people of Sodom are very wicked. So Lot chooses the place uh, because of its wealth, uh, and ignoring or maybe attracted to the uh, the wickedness of the place. It's a very different place from the kind of life that he learned from Abraham. Uh, it would seem that he no longer wants to follow in the path of Abraham because it's evident from that because he chooses to live in Sodom. After this point, Hashem speaks to uh, Abram and uh, tells him that he's going to give him uh, this land. He's going to give him land both to him and to his descendants, and they will be without number. And Hashem tells Abram to walk throughout the land, familiarize himself with the land, essentially to begin to lay claim to the land, and eventually Abram comes to Hebron and builds a, an altar there. And Hebron is the first place where Abram seems to have uh, put down roots and uh, spends uh, quite a number of years there. Up until this point, he's been wandering. Now he is in Hebron. The Torah then tells us, uh, again interrupting the narrative, uh, about a war. The first war that's recorded in the Torah a war between four kings and five kings. Four kings come from the east, part of the world where Abram is from, and the five kings are the the kings of the plain, Sodom, Amorah, etc. The background to the war the Torah gives us is that uh, for a long period of time, the five kings of the plain served the four kings of the east. That probably means they sent them tribute, very far away, but eventually they rebel. Uh, they refuse to pay tribute. So the four kings of the East advance. And if we look at the places where the four kings uh, conquer, very clear that they are surrounding the five kings. And then eventually they're engaged in a major battle uh, in a place called the Valley of Sidim, which in later history would become the uh, site of the Dead Sea, or in Hebrew, Yam HaMelech, the Sea of Salt. In the course of this, Lot, who is living in Sodom, is taken captive by the victorious four kings of the east, and um, that is why Avram enters this war. Refugee from the war comes and reports all of this to Avram. Avram amasses his small army, the Torah uses the number 318, Avram and his army pursues and defeats the four kings of the east who are in the process of returning uh, home with their uh, spoils of war. But Avram rescues uh, Lot and he returns all of the spoils of war from the four kings, brings them back to the five kings. The king of Sodom, who it seems has survived this, 
uh, greets Avram. Avram is also greeted by another king, Malkitzedek, the king of Shalem, uh, who blesses Avram and blesses Hashem. And Avram gives Malkitzedek, who is a Kohen, gives him a tenth of his possessions. It's proper to give to the Kohen. Uh, Malkitzedek, it was seen as a, uh, one who worships uh, Hashem. Uh, then there's a dialogue between Avram and the king of Sodom. Sodom, king of Sodom says, you should keep the spoils, but give me back the people. And Avraham does him one better. He says, I will take nothing. I do not want you to ever say that, uh, that you enriched uh, me. Uh, instead, uh, I will uh, return everything, both the people and the spoils. Uh, but I have three allies, Amir, Eshkol, and Mamre, who helped me in this war. They must be given their uh, fair share of the, of the spoils. Next uh, part of the parasha is known as Brit Benabitarim, the covenant between the pieces. First, Hashem assures Avram that he will have many descendants like the stars. Earlier, the descendants of Avram were compared to the dust, sand of the, of, of the earth, but now they're compared to the stars. And Hashem further assures Avraham that his descendants will inherit the land, and Avraham asks, how will I know? Uh, primarily, it seems to be about the inheriting of the land. Uh, Hashem's answer is uh, not quick in coming. Uh, Hashem first says to Avraham, take certain animals and birds. He's very specific about which ones. Avraham seems to understand that Hashem wants to make a covenant with him. And he does something that was done in ancient times. Uh, he takes the animals and cuts them in half and places the pieces opposite each other. In ancient times, uh, this would be done by two parties who were making a covenant, some kind of a between them. After splitting the animal, the parties to the covenant would walk through the space made by the, uh, by the pieces. And in this way, they would commit themselves to the uh, brit. Uh, so Shem cuts the animals. Uh, there's an intervention where the birds of prey descend, but Abraham chases them away. Um, and Abraham is uh, plunged into a dark, terrifying trance because the Shem is going to impart this message to Abraham. It's uh, not a simple matter. It's prophecy. Um, prophecy very often has a very strong effect on a prophet physically. And so Hashem says to Abraham that your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs. They will be enslaved. They will be afflicted. Judgment will be visited upon the nation that will do this to them. Your, your descendants will receive reparations, and then eventually they will return to this land. Uh, and this is Hashem's answer to Avram's question about inheriting the land. It's through this process that your descendants will gain possession of the land and hold on to it, because they will have gone through, as a nation, this whole process that is to come up. Hashem says that it will take 400 years and that Avram himself will be spared all of this, he will complete his life uh, in peace, and he will not see this happen. Uh, 
So Hashem makes a covenant with Avram and tells him that they will they will receive, the descendants of Avram will receive the territory which goes from the river of Egypt until the Euphrates, a very, very large piece of land indeed. After this, uh, we are told that Avram and Sarai have been living in the land of Canaan for 10 years and they still do not have any children. And so Sarah proposes that Avram, uh, after 10 years, that Avram have a child with Sarai's maidservant, Egyptian maidservant, Hagar. And uh, Avram does so. Uh, Hagar becomes pregnant and uh, seen right away, loses respect for Sarai. Sarai was her uh, mistress, uh, but now Hagar has something uh, over Sarai, namely that she has become pregnant. Sarai does not like this change of attitude of Hagar. Um, Sarai complains to Avram about this, but Avram says to do what what she sees fit with Hagar, who is still the maidservant. And Sarai uh, overworks Hagar, who can't take this anymore, and she flees. And it's at this point that an angel comes to Hagar and tells her, you must return to your mistress. Uh, you must submit to her uh, authority. Um, you will have a son called Ishmael, who will be a wild donkey of a man, and that you will, uh, he will have numerous descendants. Hagar names the place where she had this uh, divine uh, relation of an angel. She calls it Be'er Lachairoi, Be'er is a well, is near well, and she does indeed return and indeed has a child. His name is Ishmael, and he is born when Avram is 86 years old. The next and last part of the shah is a continuation of Brit that Hashem had made with Avram. Brit Benabitarim was a Brit in which Hashem committed himself to ensuring that the children of Abram, the descendants of Abram, would inherit the land. But he did not tell Abram what Abram has to do. Usually in a covenant, there are two parties. Each party has, uh, has to make a commitment. So now we're going to see what the commitment is on Abram's side. Uh, Abram is 99 at this point. So 13 years have passed. So Hashem repeats what is his side of the covenant, namely that Abram would be a father of a multitude of nations, and as a result, he changes his name from Avram to Abraham, which connotes the idea of multitude. He tells him that his descendants will have, will inherit, will take possession of the land of Canaan. Hashem promises that he will be God to that nation. What is Abram's side of the covenant? Circumcision, the sign of the covenant. This is to be done to all male children, uh, circumcised at eight days. Uh, also, any male slaves, uh, and one who does not do this, uh, even though they ought to, uh, the punishment for that is severance from the people. That's called karet, which is kind of a divine punishment. While Hashem is talking about this, he also says that not only is Avram's name to be changed from Avram to Abraham, but 
Sarai's name is to be changed from Sarai to Sarah. She will bear nations, she will bear kings. And uh, when Avram hears this, he falls to his face and laughs. Because after all, uh, what Hashem is saying is that Avram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, so advanced in years are going to have a child. Um, and what of Ishmael? God assures Abraham that Sarah will bear your son. He will be named Yitzchak, which means he will laugh at this time of the year, at the same time we're talking about. And a covenant will be made with Yitzchak. In other words, the brit that Hashem makes with Abraham is going to be continued uh, through Yitzchak. Not through Ishmael. However, Ishmael uh, will father 12 princes. The parasha concludes with Abraham fulfilling Hashem's command of Brit Milah. He circumcises uh, Ishmael, who's 13. He circumcises all the male slaves. He circumcises himself with them. And it seems that he actually circumcised himself first. Let's uh, return to that part of the parasha where. Abraham and Sarah are down in uh, Egypt. At this point, they're still Avram and Sarai. And uh, Avram says to uh, Sarai, let us say that we are brother and sister in this way. It will go well with me. In other words, I will, I will survive. I will be th alive thanks to you. Um, when you look at it from a certain perspective, uh, some people might say that Avram is being selfish. Uh, but after all, it's not only in Avram's best interest that he remain alive, it's in Sarah's best interest that he remain alive. Uh, because if Avram is no longer alive and Sarah, Sarai is stuck in Egypt, it will be very difficult for her. Um, however, uh, there, there's more to it than that. I'm sharing with you an idea about this from the Sephorno, Vadya Sephorno. Fifteenth century, and he explains what Abraham is really trying to do. Um, he points out that uh, in olden times, if someone had a marriageable sister, she seemed to be a very, very desirable match. So people would try very, very hard to convince her father guardian, whatever it may be, uh, that they are the right match for her. Um, so Avram's argument that he wants to stay alive is that he hopes that if he, the two of them portray themselves as brother and sister and people want to marry Sarai, uh, everyone is going to try to offer Avram uh, more and more money, possessions, etc., uh, in order to gain his favor to bury his quote-unquote sister. Now, Avram's goal in all of this, according to this photo, is not to become wealthy, but rather to buy him more time. Uh, they're going to seek his approval, and uh, he'll have the control over the situation, and he'll say, no, that's not enough, etc., etc. Um, and so, in the meanwhile, while this time is passing, Sarai is alive, Avram is alive, Sarai isn't hasn't been taken by anyone else because everyone wants to marry Sarai. But Avram bought enough extra time uh, that he would devise a way uh, to leave the country. 
according to the Sephardim, that's the plan that Abraham has. One thing that he didn't foresee is that the one person who would take Sarai is the one who doesn't have to follow any other rules, uh, namely the king. Um, this was Abram's uh, motivation in saying that they should portray themselves as brother and sister. So we have in this parashah Avram's life from the age of 75 uh, until the age of 99, very important years in the life of Avram. Later Abraham, Sarai, later Sarah, the founders of people. Thank you very much for joining me. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.